Mark, I will be your line manager anytime. <laughs> You're hired. All right. You could restore it all. Rescue me from You had my fallen You How Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me all the way from Sunnyvale, California, Prasanna Malayandi. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm not in Sunnyvale, but hi, You're Curtis. not in Sunnyvale? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're in Santa Clara. Santa Clara? Close enough. Santa Clara. Oh, but although with the weather that it's been this week, I swear it might be Alaska. Yeah, it's been, this has not felt like California at all. Yeah, it's been a um, little chilly. I uh, got to say, like, I think the high yesterday was like 55. Yeah, I got up in... Yeah, the, the temperature in the house, I have a inside and outside thermometer. The temperature in the house when I woke up this morning was 40 degrees. And I'm like, screw that. You know, turn on, <laughs> just turn on the, the furnace, like blasting so that I could just function. Uh, but I, I uh, have to say that I am a wuss right now when it comes yeah, to yeah. cold weather. I can't complain, though. No, can't complain. We live in California. Uh, so we have, um, so, so persona, this is going to be a little interesting for you. You'll probably have a little, have a little fun with this because we're bringing on someone who, who technically was in charge of me, uh, just, this just a week ago. This will be interesting. Yeah, this will be, you know, um, he was the boss of me. He's been in, um, education for over 15 years and has done some work, a uh, little bit of, he started doing some work for, uh, the government with the census and then he got, uh, like me, he volunteered to work for the election process, um, you know, coming up to this presidential election. And that is where he enters my life story. So I wanted to bring him on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Thompson. Thank you. Good to be here. And what, what, uh, uh, Persona, you're not allowed to ask him what it was like. I was actually you know, going to ask him. Me around. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Couple disclaimers. Uh, uh, Prasanna and I do both work for Druva. The uh, this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. Uh, Mark is currently a temporary employee for. Uh, is it the County of San Diego, the Registrar of Voters? What's the actual temporary what employee of Registrar of Voters? And Curtis, I'd just like to say, as your former boss, please address me yep. as Mister Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. This is awesome. And it begins, yeah. Yeah, so Mr. Thompson is not speaking for the Registrar of Voters, which is what we call the election office here in San Diego County. So um, neither are you, because you also volunteered as I am, well. Yeah, right? I also, yes. Well, technically, we're not volunteers now because... Oh, because you're being... Well, because uh, historically in an election, you do, it, it is a volunteer position. You go to an evening of training you work your butt off on election day. It's like 16 and a half hours. And then you get a hundred dollars as a, as a, like an honorarium really. Uh, but because of COVID, this was a much bigger deal. We did two full days of training, which was uh, eight hours of listening to Mark uh, talk. And then uh, another eight hours of doing mock elections and then uh, two days of setup and teardown, and then four days of the actual, we did three days of early voting and one day of uh, regular voting, which was actually the, the regular 16 and a half hour process. And um, so they decided they couldn't do that with volunteers. And so they actually made us temporary uh, uh, employees. And I've already received my check for my training. I, I'm assuming that you've probably received a check or two, Mark. You got paid for this? I got <laughs> <laughs> amazing it was amazing yeah. yeah i don't know why um, anyone would work for free all those yeah. hours that, that you just mentioned yeah, was, yeah, yeah exactly long days, but definitely worth it so uh oh and also please if you like this podcast please go to rate this podcast.com slash restore and uh tell us how wonderful we are if you think we stink then there's really no point all right mark you entered this story the the, the election story before me so you, you know, before I saw you, you had already gone to a bunch of training, right? Right. What was that like? For me and my group of about 20 last minute hires, there was two full days of 
learning to be a site manager. So what is a site manager? Sorry. Yeah, good question. So the site manager is more or less the supervisor of the whole site of the and the 14 employees who work there. Um, so we are, um, you know, troubleshooting, um, thwarting any issues that may come up and just making sure the process goes smoothly according to plan, um, you know, with no major hiccups. Um, so once we went through our two days of training uh, as managers, then we began training our staff, which Curtis was a part of. And right. so that was another two full days. Uh, as he mentioned, the first day was you know pretty dry and a lot of uh, just kind of lecturing on the equipment and the process and how it's different this year than in years past because of COVID. And also yeah, we, we heard the word COVID a lot. Yeah. We also introduced <laughs> some new technology, um, but also COVID. So um, there was a lot, <laughs> a lot of COVID. Um, yeah. And then, uh, then day two of that was sort of just mock rehearsal, um, going through uh, kind of the standard check-in process, voting process, check-out process, um, you know, making sure we understand how we can help the voter get in and out, no problems, and, you know, make them feel like uh, they were served and uh, in a fair election. Could you talk so, a little bit about these mock things that you guys did let, let me let me jump okay. in there so we we there were two teams that were at that trained at the physical place where we uh trained and so we went first uh our team went first as the election workers and then the other team uh pretended to be voters and so they had you know 14 or 15 people that were pretending to be voters and some of them would volunteer to be problematic voters, right? So these would be voters that were trying to do electioneering, which is, um, you know, promotion of a candidate or a, or a position at, you know, at the poll, or maybe they might have, you know, difficulties or, I don't know, what else, what else did they try to do? Do you remember, Mark? I remember if they were... Yeah, just all sorts of things. Like if if my name's not in the system... Oh, right, right. Yeah. ...register today... Um, yeah, yeah. All the different, all the different scenarios we covered in training, uh, and and they gave. So my job was line manager. So my job, basically, I'm the first person you see, and my my first job <laughs> is to is to ask you very kindly to remove your uh, hat that you are wearing that is promoting, you know, the candidate that you love so much. And that was uh, that was something that I had to deal with a lot. And so when I um, and they gave me a lot of those types of things as line manager. And so when it was my turn to be the to pretend to be the voter, I came up with all sorts of problematic voters. I had oh, a gosh. I was I was I, I can was imagine trying, this. I can imagine I Curtis. He's I just, was, this is like his dream job. He's like, yes, I can be a yeah. problematic person. Yeah. And so I remember <laughs> I was saying, I was saying yes on 22, yes on 22, which for the record, I was, I was actually in favor of 22. I was like, yes on 22. And the guy's like, sir, you cannot uh, promote, um, you know, you know, ballot measure number 22. And I'm like, yes on a, yes on a. <laughs> and I pretended to have a gun at one point. I had like a hammer that was hanging on my belt. Um, I mean, I, I, it was, I would, I w- oh, and that I was, the, uh, I think my favorite was the blind voter. I, I went and found a stick out in the yard and then I basically pretended to be blind uh, and I stayed, it was like, a, what do they call it? Method acting. Like I stayed true all the way to getting up to the BMD, the ballot marking device, uh, to the point that I actually went through, or at least partially went through the actual, um, the, what was it called, Mark? The... The ADA cart, the the yeah, basically the uh, there's a, a an audio the audio ballot or whatever, um, and mainly just to get them used to the process of dealing with a you know a voter with a disability, right? Um, that and- was good practice. So that was something our team benefited from was um, you know being able to delicately and appropriately handle folks who need special assistance. Um, all the other stuff was just you having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, might, I, might, I might have had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things, right? You never know what's going to come up. So I guess, Curtis, you did a good job in preparing people for the unexpected. 
for that for that part yeah the other stuff uh, the, the, you know mark you mentioned uh, you know there's there's a bunch of scenarios, right? There's somebody who's never registered before. They're, in California, you can register at the time of, you know, voting, or if they are a first-time voter, or if they're what? What other mark? What other scenarios? Um, folks, provisional voters who um, who have appeared to maybe have already voted. Maybe they mailed in their ballot and forgot, and now they're here to vote in person. And so we politely remind them, uh, or or ask them, do you remember voting already? Uh, and if they say, no, I don't remember, then they vote provisionally and we let the ROV sort it out. We don't right. give anyone away. Yeah, that was so that I, was one thing that they were good at is basically they, you, you know, they trained us not to say it appears you're trying to commit a felony. Right. You know, they just, we'd say it appears that, you know, you might have voted before. Does that sound familiar? You know, you were you, you just tried to be, you know, kind to the people. Right. What we, were you weren't, take? we weren't the ballot police. It wasn't our job to turn anyone away. Um, we were there to facilitate people who wanted to vote. And we would, um, you know, walk them through the process, through the check-in process. And if we saw any red flags along the way, we would bring those to their attention. Uh, but ultimately, if they wanted to vote, they were going to vote. And, um, you know, Curtis, if you remember, we had one gentleman who was asking about, uh, well, I have a record. Am I still allowed to vote? Um, that right. wasn't for us to decide. So absolutely, we are going to get him registered uh, provisionally, conditionally, and allow him to vote and let the ROV sort that out. That's not our place to uh, tell that person he can't vote. Right. So I was going to ask, I understand that things change this year as well with, because at least for me, I used to go around the corner to someone's house where in their garage was where I would go to vote just a small neighborhood, right? <laughs> and I guess this year they kind of changed things in California where there aren't so many polling places to visit. And usually that causes all sorts of chaos because I believe normally you're registered for that particular polling place. And right. so with all of these new changes, how did you guys end like, what was the process and what did that look like? Well, this is my first time working the polls, but like you, Prasanna, I have been a voter in someone's garage before around the corner from my house. And I actually felt kind of uncomfortable doing that, not only because I felt like I was invading someone's personal space <laughs> at home, um, but, you know, there was three or four poll workers at that location and it just felt kind of rushed together. Mm -hmm. um, but the way we did it this year um, in, we had 235 polling locations. We call them super polls this year, uh, as opposed to over 1,500 in San Diego County in previous elections. So we scaled down tremendously the number of poll sites, but scaled up the poll workers at each site. So to me, having been on both sides now, it felt like a more professional atmosphere, a more well-oiled machine. Um, and I, I think as a voter, I would have more confidence going to a super poll um, at a neutral location, whether it's a school gymnasium or uh, in our case, we were working at a senior center. Um, it just felt like um, a really well-run operation with people kind of, who knew what they were doing. It's kind of like what you would imagine when you're like, oh, I'm going to go vote for the first time. You would kind of expect that, oh, yeah, it's a proper place with everything set up and that professional aspects like you were talking about. Right. And everyone had their laid out duties. Curtis was a line manager, so he was the first face you saw when you approached, whether that's a good thing or a bad I just thing. Say, I think, I I think it was chosen purely due to, you know, aesthetics, I think is I, how I was going happened. to ask, who got to choose who plays what role? <laughs> So ultimately, it was my decision. Okay. Um, but, you know, full disclosure, Curtis did approach me and say, I would like to be line manager. So yeah. put that information. Yeah, for yeah what, once they laid out the various jobs, I was like, wait, who's the guy that gets to tell people what to do? Yeah, that's my job. Right. I'll, I'll, take, <laughs> I'll volunteer for that. <laughs> no, but it ended up being the perfect role for you. And I think everyone that we had in their specific jobs, I think, fit really well. Yeah, Which I do. Part of yeah. what kind of made our site run really smoothly. Especially we had the we had the one lady um, that uh, she was very smiley, like, and she was on the way out as you as you were on the way out. She gave you this this very like if she if it wasn't COVID, I felt like she'd give every voter a hug, 
right? <laughs> like she had, she gave me this positive feeling on the way out. I, I agree with you that I think they had, <clears throat> we had a, a perfect thing there. Uh, so the, the other big difference, uh, now I did work the, the, the primary, which used the old system. And then I worked this one that used the new system. The big, the two big differences, one is that we, we went to the electronic poll books and I'll let you describe those in a minute, Mark. And then the other is we went from one BMD, which is a, a, a ballot marking device, which is an electronic system that you use to select your ballot choices, which then prints out a ballot for you. It doesn't record your uh, you know, it's not online, it's offline. It has all the ballots in there, uh, from, from San Diego County. And then you, it, you, you record your choices and then it just prints out a ballot that you hand in like any other ballot. And th- there were seven of those plus two portable ones, right, Mark? So like a total of nine, I think. Eight total. One, one, oh, eight total. Card. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, but whereas before we had all paper ballots and uh, one BMD, which never got used. Whereas now we had these eight BMDs and then we had seven of the EPBs, the electronic poll books, Yes. right? And, and before you had this printed poll book that you would go up to, they would look up your name, which as a poll worker, I can tell you is a giant pain because there's three parts of the book. There's active voters, inactive voters, and uh, new voters. And, um, so you're, you're searching through three different books sometimes to find the person only to eventually go, it it appears we do not have you. So you're going to need to be a provisional voter just because they're literally, they're literally down the street and they're, they're not assigned to that particular polling location. And so then they become a provisional voter, which is a much bigger pain in the butt. And, and also it's, it's a pain both on the front end and the back end, but this way we had the EPBs. Why don't you describe those, Mark? Yeah, the EPB electronic poll book replaced those big booklets with everyone's name printed with their address. Um, And so once the voter would get in the building, they would, uh, after they filled out a form with their uh, name, address, um, and hand that to a check-in person who's sitting in front of an electronic poll book, and the poll worker would look up their information, their name on the e-poll book and find that voter. Uh, and the, the EPB had every San Diego voter that was currently registered in the system. So it was really easy to find um, each and every voter, even if they weren't going to their assigned location. And then we could issue them their proper sequence or their proper ballot based on their address. And if we had a paper ballot uh, in the building, we would hand them the paper ballot. And if they were coming from a different location, we would direct them to the ballot marking device, which you mentioned, which is just an electronic device that can pull up any ballot in the county, allow them to make their selections and then print it without storing that information. And the reason that you would need sort of different ballots depending on where they are is because there are sort of local measures as well that they need. And candidates. in Canada, right. Yeah. So like the mayor, right? The mayor. So you could. So for those that aren't. So I live in Oceanside, which is North County. Chula Vista is just prior to the border. So you could come up, uh, which is like 45 miles south from me. You could be from Chula Vista, come and, and, and work in Oceanside. You could go into our polling uh, location and we could pull up the Chula Vista um, ballot for you. And you could vote for the Chula Vista mayor and the local measures in Chula Vista without anything being abnormal, your ballot would be just like any, anybody else's ballot. Right. And what's cool about the EPB is that it would also indicate if that voter was issued a mail in ballot, which most voters were. um, But, you know, some people moved last minute or weren't registered or weren't issued one for various reasons. Most were. And so the check-in person would then ask them, "You were, since you were mailed a mail-in ballot, would you like to surrender that here today? Uh, meaning, did you bring it in so we can rip it up and issue you a brand new ballot? Um, that way, each voter, uh, no voter is getting two official ballots in their possession. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. And the reason why this was possible, so the EPBs were, they were basically iPads. I, I think they were iPads. So they were, right? Underneath, was it those? Yeah, those are iPads. And then they're all connected via a router that's that's directly connected to the ROV. So we're, we're directly querying the ROV system, which I'm I'm guessing is a service that they're using. I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think it's servers sitting in a, in a data center in San Diego. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a a cloud service, but that's just my guess. But the point is that we're directly querying it. And so, yes, it's going to know if if you were sent a ballot, it's also going to know if you've already returned your ballot or if you like, if literally five minutes before you went to another polling location and already voted, and now you're, you're literally trying to illegally vote a second time, we will know right away that you already voted. Well, and that's a great thing, right? It's now real time. You have the information rather than yeah. before where you printed out the packet and that was all you got. Yeah. <laughs> and and so we, you know, again, you know, Mark told us like, you know, we're saying uh, it appears that you may have voted already. Like, does that sound familiar? You know, and then. Right. But if they still say, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. There was this window that we, <laughs> that we were to pop up that basically you make it like full screen on the iPad. And it's like warning voting twice is a felony. Please <laughs> click, please click. OK, here and, and then we'll give you a new ballot. Right. But I don't think we had anybody that uh, th- I don't know. Did, did we have some people, do you know, that that voted a second? We had no provisional ballots, as I recall. Like we had, we had conditional ballots, but I don't think we had any provisionals. We had one provisional ballot. I can't remember the reason off the top of my head, but I don't remember any situations where it appeared someone was voting for a second time. Right. Um, So we had, you know, extensive training on those types of scenarios. I think 75% of the training was on these what if scenarios, Mm -hmm. but really they just didn't come to fruition. And you know, 99% of the voters were paper ballots, pretty smooth. Um, but, you know, we we had those protections if someone was trying to uh, vote a second time or game the system, it would flag immediately because those EPBs update in real time. So I'm a right. big what if person yep. and doomsday right. scenario person. So you have these EPBs, E, yeah, EPBs. And what happens if like the network goes down, power goes out, right? Everything is on these devices for you to check in, register people, all the rest. So you mean like during training when uh, the power went out in the building that we were uh, doing training in and we had to get a generator like that? Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was a planned power outage because of the construction yeah. Yeah. going on on the site. But um, the EPBs, I mean, they have a battery life. So they will continue to work, um, but if they're off network, they just won't update until it's back online. Um, so we could still check people in, uh, and then whenever it comes back up, it'll Mark, are you, are you sure? Because aren't they directly querying the ROV? Like if the network went down or the router went down, which means the network's down, I don't think that they would have continued to work. Did you... Well, luckily, we didn't have that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, did, it, we also had um, the paper booklets as a backup in case we needed them. Yeah, which which I which I, I wanted to, I didn't want to be, I had the same thing. You know, we, Mark, we spend our life, th- this is what we do is is helping people, you know, prepare for the, the worst. And that was my first thing. It's like, well, what happens if the power goes out or if that the one router over there, which is not an HA, you know, highly available type router, what if things that thing catches fire? We're down as far as a voting site from my perspective. But they hit. So they didn't cover um, for us. They didn't have the average. They had we had enough to worry about. They didn't. They didn't cover this scenario, but Mark, it was covered in training for you. And the answer is, if worse comes to worst, we pull out this giant poll book, right? We did have, yeah. They issued me and every site manager the um, the paper booklets. It was like three three ring stacks. Uh, because with, it's not just for the area, right? It's for everyone, right? For the whole county, right? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a, that's that's one and a half million registered voters, right? I think something like that. 
Yeah. I counted yeah. each one to make sure they were all there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So luckily we did not have to do that. Um, and, and, and which is glory. And, and the other, uh, I would also say one of the things that was in my brain is there were at least three polling locations in the Oceanside area that I know of. So we could have said in a short outage, we could have said, hey, there's another Redirect polling location, to- you know, um, down the road. Uh, that would be another. But if the outage was countywide, then that would have been a, a very different situation. Um, what, one thing that I wanted to mention, Mark, about the mail-in ballots, the thing that I that I thought was really good is that every mail-in ballot that was sent to every voter, and this is all the time, but I think it was more important this time because we sent it to every registered voter. Every one of those ballots has a unique identifier that when we checked them in at the EPB, if they decide to surrender the ballot, whether they physically surrender it to us or they just say they're going to throw it away because they didn't bring it in, we say they're surrendering it, and that immediately deactivates that particular ballot in the system, which means that they then can't go back to their house, take that same ballot, fill it out, and send it in. Well, they could, but it wouldn't be counted as a vote because that particular ballot had been invalidated. I think that's a pretty good system. And that voter would get a phone call from the ROV asking yes, they would. two ballots submitted because you can't submit a ballot anonymously. Right. Every ballot is tied to a person, a voter, right. registered voter. If they check in on the EPB, then it records that they've checked in and we've issued them a ballot. If they mail back their mail-in ballot, then the ROV uh, records that and updates the EPB uh, with that information as well. And every mail-in ballot has to be tied to a, a, a person at an address. So no ballots are getting submitted anonymously. Um, and so if a person does submit the mail-in ballot and goes to vote in person and they play dumb or, or they just forget, they will get a call uh, asking for clarification. So I have a question for you. This is all a new process. I guess this is the first time we're doing it this way. Do you think this is here to stay? Your opinion, of course. <laughs> I hope so. It, to me, I mean, I've never worked uh, another election before. This was my first, but I would like to do it again. I could see myself working the next election and um, having not much to compare it to other than being a voter going into strangers' garages. I do feel like this was a really smooth process. There was a bit of a learning curve um, for you know some of the workers who are not as proficient with technology and iPads. There was a little bit of learning curve for them. Um, but after two days, you know, we had our seven strongest uh, doing the check-ins, and it went pretty smoothly. Um, so I would like to see this process here to stay. I think it gives voters a little bit more flexibility in their location. Like Curtis said, if they're um, you know, if they live in Chula Vista, but they work 30 minutes away and they just want to shoot over to a polling place after work, they can do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it just it gives the voters kind of more accessibility um, to, to get their vote in. Yeah, what I what I wonder, I, I do think, again, you know, this is just Mark and me again, expressing our opinion. I do think that it's going to be really hard to go back to the old way now that we've done this way. I do also think they will try to scale it down slash out, meaning there are there are political issues with having a, a significant reduction in the number of polling places. So I, I do think we're going to see smaller sites that have just one EPB, I think. I don't know for sure. I think we're going to try that um, because I, I know there's Again, that's a political discussion. There is a concern that you want all voters to be like within walking distance to a polling location that they can use. And that that's one challenge with having we, we had like one fourth or one fifth of the number of polling sites that we used to have. So that is even though we had three in Oceanside, that's still quite a long walk for an average person. Right. So I, but I do think the EPBs are here to stay. I do think the BMDs are here to stay. Um, it's I, I'm curious to see how how much they try to scale it out next time. Because Mark, you're right; uh, they were definitely uh, not everybody took to that technology. Although I thought, honestly, <clears throat> as a technology person, 
I looked at that app and I was like, they have literally made this thing idiot proof. Like it literally, you just have to type things in and it just follow the directions as to what it said to do on screen, give the voter this thing, put them in that thing, right? This voter has voted before. It tells you everything on the screen. To me, as having worked the old poll book, it was way less stressful on the check-in process than the old poll book. Uh, And so, but not everybody is uh, technology friendly. And when you also figure in the fact that many election workers are often retired people um, who might not be as good at technology as younger people, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Do you, do you find that people who were the voters were a little, were they comfortable or okay with the EPDs? All but one guy. (laughs) Yeah, we had, there was a little bit of, um, I don't want to say skepticism, but with the exception of one person who was defiant and did not want to be checked in on the e-poll book, um, there were people who had questions like, what is this? Is this replacing the old policy? Why are we doing it this way? But once we explained it to them, they had no issue except for that one person. And I think it's also become more commonplace, right, to see iPads and like you go to a restaurant, you see that at check in, you go to a hotel, right? You go to all these places. I think it's just becoming more commonplace. Oddly enough, Prasanna, the the problem that most people, because I was out at the line, so I was with the greeters whose job it was to hand, there was this form that you were to fill out because because we didn't have the old poll book, something needed to replace the physical signature. And so the way that was done was you fill out your name, address, and phone number on this piece of paper, which I think unfortunately was unfortunately called a ballot application form. Um, many, many people objected to the form almost all of them, except this one person, almost all of them. Once we explain where I would say, listen, you remember the old poll book? And they'd say, yes, where you'd have to sign your thing. Yes. Well, this is the COVID friendly version of that. This is how we're getting your signature and recording it. And almost all of them would go, oh, okay. And then they go inside. Right. <laughs> um, but then we, we did have one person who, um, uh, and by the way, I, I'm just going to give a shout out to Mark here. Mark was the perfect calmer downer guy that, you know, when there would be the occasional voter who was upset because either they didn't like the form, uh, there was that one guy. And then there were, there were a handful of people that were upset because we were asking them to put their, their candidate related clothing items, you know, in their car, those people would some, and, and it was Mark's job. We, we had this, what was it? Was it, was it Fritos? What was our, <laughs> what was our, we had, we, had a, we had a code word which was issued by the ROV Fritos for emergency situations. I did <laughs> not know that came from the ROV. Yeah, that, that, that was not my choice. That's funny, Fritos. So basically, uh, he and I had uh, a walkie-talkies, and you know, if I had a problem, I was supposed to say Fritos, and uh, and and then Mark would come out and. I'm a pretty passionate guy and maybe Mark, you are like normally, but you were so good at like, just not getting upset, calm, you know, calm down. Cause these people, they just want to vote. Right. And that's what we're there to do is we're there to, to safely and easily record their choice for their candidate and whatnot. And we just want to help them do that. Um, I mean, it's, it's customer service and I, in addition to working in education, I've also been a bartender for over a decade. And so I've seen everything and I have pretty thick skin. Um, I don't get offended easily. But, you know, just hearing people out, letting them vent, explaining our situation, telling people you understand their concerns um, and ultimately trying to put them at ease. And, you know, the guy ultimately, you know, completed the application. He got to vote. And you mentioned uh, our checkout person, who is the sweetest lady, you know, big smile and a wave. And the guy ended up leaving happy and saying goodbye. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, we, we had a good team. And- In his case, he, he, felt, <clears throat> he felt that you heard him. You went to the ROV and you basically asked him 
if he could be an exception, you know, can this one person not fill out the piece of paper because he really hates the piece of paper? And their answer was basically, no, this is the process. You went out, you explained it to him as nicely as you could. And he was like, okay, he wasn't happy about it, but he, I I think he felt like his concerns were heard. Unfortunately, this is the process and you need to fill out the form and he filled out the form. Yeah, as rude as he was, I still went to bat for him and asked if there is a way around, um, you know, the the policy. And it was a hard no from the office, and so I conveyed that as nicely as I could. And he was left with the choice of, you know, fill out the application, fill out the form, and vote or don't. Yeah, yeah, and that was, and that was our. I, I think he that was our most challenging thing that happened over the four days, right? Wouldn't you say? Yes, I, I, think, I think so. At least it, for me, at least the one that I was involved in, I was like, I, I, you know, I had my, my heart was up in my chest, you know, that whole time. Cause I was like, Oh man, we're getting yelled at. I don't want to get yelled at. I want this guy to vote. <laughs> you know, I'm just, we're just yeah. trying to do our job, man. You know, my therapist is helping me through the mean things he said to me. You know, I, one of yeah, these people get a full night's sleep again. And we're also we're also concerned for the people who are currently voting, right? So there were people voting who were being inconvenienced. They were clearly distracted. They're looking up over their little uh, ballot things. The ballot booth. The ballot booth. Yeah. So they're looking up over the thing. They're looking at this guy because he's he's yelling indoors in a place that's, you know, I don't know, uh, 800 square feet or something. And he's just he's being very loud and saying mean things. And um, we eventually got him outside and he calmed down and then he eventually voted. So we're also you know, we're concerned about them. We're concerned about uh, that was why the the electioneering. Right. Don't wear your. Um, you know, the, you're not allowed to wear the name or the slogan or the logo of your favorite candidate or a, a ballot, you know, a ballot measure. Right. So like, you know, bed, measure 22. Right. Um, you know, you're not allowed to wear vote 22 or whatever. And those kinds of things have to stay in the car because that's considered electioneering or campaigning within 100 foot of the um, of the voting area. Um what else, Mark, what else comes to mind when we think about sort of keeping the votes and the ballots secure? What, you know, in terms of the, the, the idea of that this is a secure process, what, what else comes to mind? Well, I liked the fact that we had 15 people on our team. And so when it came to uh, closing time, uh, each day, we separated our team into basically two groups. The first group would count the unused ballots and essentially inventory those, figure out how many we had left. And then we would cross-check that with how many ballots we issued that day and were completed. And we would make sure that those numbers even out. Well, and then the other, there's a third category, they're the spoiled ballots. Right. And there were spoils. If somebody made a mistake, they needed a new ballot, we would keep track of that uh, spoiled ballot, tear it in half, and and keep track of that as well. But, you know, it just seems like so many things going on, though. It's pretty impressive how much you guys have like kept track of and are doing with just a couple days of training. Well, the, I mean, the ROV makes it pretty easy. I mean, they give you a set number of ballots. With with everyone with a unique identifier, you get this. It's it's a bunch of cart. It, I, this was the thing. I is it cartons that the ballots come in, Mark? Yes. Okay, because there's cartons, there's boxes, and there's what's the other one? Is it cases? Containers. Containers. I can, to me, they're all boxes. But a, it's a ballot box. A, ballots come in containers that go into boxes, and then I don't know what the containers are for. Anyway, so. Um, the, the point is that you get these pads, the ballots are on pads that like you tear off the ballot. And and we know the ROV knows the range of ballot numbers that we were given in our location. And then we tell them how many we used, how many we spoiled, and all those numbers need to match up. And so they know exactly how many ballots should show up from our polling location in San Diego when they go to count them. And you can't just magically throw in 
you know, 500 ballots for your favorite candidate because the numbers won't match up. Does that sound about right, Mark? Right. And like I mentioned, you can't anonymously submit a ballot. So, um, you know, I don't know how you could insert um, a big chunk of ballots. I, I, I honestly don't know how that would be possible considering, you know, the, the process that we run things at the poll site with all the different sets of eyes uh, counting each individual ballot uh, and everyone agreeing and signing to that total. I just don't see how uh, you could insert a chunk of ballots um, fraudulently. So, um, right. you know, I, I, I respected the integrity of the process. I mean, that's why I signed up. And I believe that regardless of your political affiliation, uh, everyone in that room respected the process and wanted to it, see it done correctly. Yeah, took it very and, seriously. And, and, and then also uh, talk about the poll watchers. So the question, we did have poll watchers and observers. Uh, the difference being observers just want to see that the process is done correctly and fairly and people have access and um, language assistance if they need it. Um, poll watchers were folks who had a vested interest, maybe were supporting a specific candidate um, and wanted to um, maybe, you know, conduct exit polls or, um, you know, just had an interest in the outcome. Um, And we had a pretty good rotation of poll watchers and observers um, from, you know, different candidates and different political affiliations. And so not only was you know, the eyes of the poll workers, uh, making sure we were doing things correctly, but we also had observers there as well. Um, you know, making sure that everything was done correctly. So, um, and they would ask questions if they saw something that they didn't like, um, they had no, cause they saw that as their, their sole purpose in life. They, if they saw something they didn't like, or they didn't understand, they would ask questions and we like, oh, well, that's, you know, like there was, I don't know if it, Mark, if you know, there was, there was something somewhere on in the East coast where a, where a poll worker was seen throwing something in the trash and it's on video and and they oh, thought that I it was a ballot and it was just a, it was just an information sheet that, you know, that was um, stuck. In, and then it was scary because I think they said that that person had threats and they couldn't, they were like rent to hiding. Yeah, and that's a, yeah. Did that's you guys whole, ever have any fear by the way? Hmm. No, no, I, okay. I, I wasn't afraid of, of any voters or I, I certainly wasn't intimidated. Uh, we had some media show up and I, I um, participated in an interview for a local news channel um, and they were just asking simple questions, right? Um, you know, about the process. They were looking uh, for something juicy. You know, but I'm, and I wish I, I, well, I'm glad I didn't have anything juicy yeah. to give them because we had a pretty smooth operation going. Um, and, you know, leave it to the media to find that one story of somebody throwing something away and make yeah. it national. And yeah. that's really what, what puts the skepticism in people's minds and is probably the reason why we have observers to begin with is because there's that little shred of doubt, like maybe this is happening in our city, uh, or everywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's really not, I think that the overwhelming majority, if not every poll worker, uh, wants to see it done the right way. Um, And if there's just one little juicy story to hang on to, even if it's just long lines at a poll site, you know, the media is going to try to find something to try to, um, you know, ignite their viewers. And, you know what, I'll give the media credit, you know, just my opinion since the election has ended, it seems like they've been pretty straightforward with saying there wasn't any fraud that we know of. Right. Um, but before the election, um, it seemed like they were putting doubt in people's minds like, whoa, something's happening on the East Coast or something's happening over here. You know, be aware. Right. Um, and so there, I can understand why there was a little bit of distrust, not because of anything we did wrong but because of the stories that are being put out there. Yeah. And by the way, we had like almost no lines. The The, the joke was that I was line manager and, and I never had a line to manage. And so <laughs> uh, I just sort of wandered around and told jokes most of the time. Anyway. Um, so Mark, you, you had one different vantage point that I did not have. And that is that you have also participated in the counting process 
on the back end. Um, what what can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's ongoing. That's um, that's still going. So even though California has projected um, you know, Biden as president and projected many of the other races, um, there is at least in San Diego. I don't know if it's statewide, but at least in San Diego, there's a policy to manually count one percent of the votes and cross-check that with the results of the machines that tallied the votes. And so, so like one percent is like how many? If we if it's one and a half million voters and we have sixty percent participation, we're talking about seventy five hundred votes or so, would be my guess. Wow. Unless okay. Mark, you know a number different than that. I we haven't been told a specific number. We're just You're just like here, count that box. Exactly. We were given a um a box from a certain region. Um like yesterday I was counting uh Del Mar region. And today I'm counting Oceanside region. Um, and we, so we work in teams of three. There's about 20 different teams all work in a team of three. And uh, we're given this box of ballots. Uh, we don't know if they're mail-in. We don't know if they're hand votes. And um, one person is assigned as a reader. Uh, so to literally go down the ballot and and say out loud each uh, cast, you know, for for president, for Senate, for mayor, and then one person records that and repeats back, and then another person, the third person, also records it on paper and says check. Um, so wow. the, that's that's quite a process. <laughs> it, it's very time consuming to go, you know, President Smith, you know, one Smith, and then the the counter says Smith one. And then the checker goes one check. And so then I move on down to the next one. And so it takes, I timed it cause I'm weird like that. Uh, each ballot <laughs> takes about two to three minutes, uh, to go through each ballot front and back. And so we got through in a day and a half, about 200 ballots. Wow. We are starting our second box. Wow. So we're expected to do this about three weeks. They're anticipating. So however many ballots that is in three weeks. And, and by the way, just to comment on something you said earlier, you mentioned you don't know if they're mail-in ballots or because once a mail once a ballot has been taken out of the mail-in envelope, whether it was physically mailed in or it was handed to a poll worker, because uh, that was the other part of my job was to accept people's mail-in ballots uh, in person. Uh, once it's taken out of that and adjudicated and, and determined to be a valid ballot and then put in a box, it looks just like any other ballot, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so like how many people are you talking about over there? Cause this sounds like a big team. I, I think there's about 20 teams of three. So about 60 counters and there's a handful of supervisors there who um, have the the printed results of our box of ballots. Mm, mm. And when we're finished um, marking all of or accounting for our ballots, we you know raise our hand, the supervisor comes over, asks us what we got. And if it's correct, great, thumbs up. If it's not, like if we are, and this happened, we were one off on one of the city council member races. So we had to recount all for that, for that particular race, count all the ballots again for that race. And sure enough, we were off by one and it matched up with what the um, machine counter came up oh, with. So your initial May manual count was wrong. And right, yeah, we were off by gotcha. one. We had to not count every vote uh, from the ballot, but just each vote from that particular race. Oh, okay, okay. Again. Interesting. Wow, yeah. that's uh, kind of... Yeah, that I can see. I can see why it takes three weeks to do this. Yeah, and and but this is what I was saying, Prasad. I, I for those of you that d- don't know, I I published a blog post today that for for the record is just shy of three thousand words, so it's it's a bit wordy. But I, I sort of tried to put this all in a post of like all of these different things that we do on a local level. That's the thing about the the U.S presidential election is that it's so decentralized that the idea of hacking quote unquote the presidential election would require so much hacking at so many local levels 
right? So if you wanted to add, you know, let's say, you, you let's say Michigan is uh, Biden's ahead by a hundred thousand votes. You want to put in one hundred fifty thousand votes to, you know, you, you need to spread those votes out across the whole state. You, you can't just throw one hundred fifty thousand votes into Detroit. Right. Uh, because the numbers won't add up like, you know, somebody couldn't even though, uh, Mark, I completely agree with you that this idea that I don't know how somebody could, given the process, somebody could just magically slip in, you know, a thousand votes. If they did, it would set off all kinds of bells and bells and whistles because the, the numbers wouldn't match up. Right. The sequence numbers on the ballots, the the, the not the sequence numbers, but the sequence number is. uh is uh, ROV speak for uh, like a, a small like neighborhood, but like I mean the 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 numbers on the ballots themselves, those numbers wouldn't match with the numbers that came from that ballot location or from that uh, polling location. So it's just all of these different safeguards that are. It's harder than you think. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard because it's so decentralized. It's almost like the the U.S., especially presidential and congressional elections. They are, it's like they're thousands of little tiny elections, right? It's like in San Diego County. How many polling locations did you say we had? It was like 200 and something. What was it? 235. 235. So it's like we had 235 little elections in San Diego, each of which is controlled, you know, in its own little way. And then those elections are bubbled up like every county does their elections uh, and, and they don't, by the way, they don't all follow the same process. They, they follow similar processes. But for example, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, Mark, do you know for sure one way or the other that other counties have used the EPBs before? Yes or no or not? I don't know. And I heard from someone else that LA or Orange County was not. Okay. Well, so I know it's not statewide. Right, right. So, so yeah, so even within a state, you're, you know, they allow different counties to do, as long as they adhere to certain controls and regulations, they can choose to, to, you know, my point of that is that hacking an election at that level requires you to understand all those nuances and get every single one of them right without getting caught, which hasn't happened yet in our elections, right? We haven't had an example of anything, uh, major like that, uh, I just don't know how you would pull something like that off. I mean, not even taking into account the serial numbers and making sure that you are dumping the correct serial numbers in the ballot box. But there's just so many layers of checks and balances and so many regular people like myself and you, Curtis, who are observing and watching this process and, and, and working there. That I just I don't see how you can, you know, have so many unaccounted for ballots without it raising a red flag and someone yeah. crying foul. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I don't know how you would do that. Um, but, you know, there's always going to be conspiracy theories out there. Um, and so I, I don't buy into those. But I if it was possible, I wouldn't know how to do it. I'm with you. And that was kind of that was what that's why I wanted you to come on, Mark, is just sort of talk about this and and talk about the things that you and I had both. Because I, I know that would, would it be fair to say that you have a much greater appreciation of the election process now that you've participated in it? I do. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I feel like I you know participated in, and did my civic duty. Um, and, you know, having now been on this side of it, you know, I see how things work and I, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how many people are involved. It, it is mm-hmm. a huge operation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just one little office, you know, or a team of 10 that's, that's accomplishing all this. It's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people just in San Diego right? who are, you know, in charge of, you know, conducting the, the poll sites, counting the ballots, recounting the ballots, you know, it's a huge operation. And so I have a lot of respect for the folks who put it together and, and the head of the, the registrar voters office. I mean, they, it's a, it was a well orchestrated, everything down from the instructions on the EPBs. Um, I mean, it was very well laid out and organized. And so, um, you know, that's why I would participate again is because, you know, for me, all I just had to walk into two days of training and boom, I'm ready. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't a mountain to climb. It was, you know, 
a small a small hill it's, to get rid of. Yeah, and it's all that sort of pre work that they had and all that process that they had in place that made it sort of easy like i know curtis before you started this you're like before the election started i remember you saying this is either going to go super well or it's going to be a nightmare yeah yeah Yeah. after the training i was like with the epbs that was my opinion i was like this is really impressive from a technological perspective it's either going to be like the most well-oiled machine in history from an election perspective in san diego county or it's going to be a complete disaster (laughs) and i I try not to say that out loud prior to the thing but it was it would it went really well yeah i think it did i mean i i I can't think of anything that would uh, make me not want to do it again um, you know, uh, and, and f- this election in particular with emotions running high on both sides, um, you know, there was plenty of reason why there should be issues that come up, but there really just weren't, you know, the overwhelming majority of voters are really peaceful, just want to get their vote out there, um, uh, and leave. Um, and you know, as, as contentious as the election was, we just didn't really have any problems. Mark, I will be your line manager anytime. <laughs> you're hired all right all right well uh with that i just want to thank you for coming on thanks for having me it was a pleasure thanks guys thanks mark i learned a bunch yeah so uh with that i will thank our listeners and um uh this is this is a little bit longer than our usual podcast but hopefully uh you you learned a lot as well and uh you know what think about volunteering as a poll worker next election you will learn a lot as well And, uh, you know, maybe pick up a hundred bucks or maybe more. Who knows? Anyway, so make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth the space Yeah.